This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never, the third installment of our apparently now ongoing bonus series on the Friday the 13th franchise. After dark. After dark. It is well after dark. Yes, but it's still October and it's getting pretty damn close to Halloween, in fact. The days are shorter. We haven't hit daylight savings and the we're drinking some Friday flannel Fridays. Very appropriate, because I am, in fact, wearing flannel. And I am also wearing flannel. Hey. Prove it, podcast listener. Changing. Uh, so, Dave, I have to have small confession. Okay. After Jason 2, I'm not looking forward to Jason 3. Oh, really? I don't think these movies... I, I, I'm not... In, I think they're, they're getting... Like, I'm not excited, because like for the turn they're about to take well let me just back up and throw a quick peek behind the curtain here uh we were not actually even planning on doing jason three yeah uh we were happy to stop with two yeah but then you know i got to thinking we got the space to do one more before halloween comes out and i think i am actually going to put this out uh either on or the day before actual halloween so hey happy halloween listeners spoiler alert listeners if you're listening to this before it drops be aware it's gonna drop on or near halloween spoiler alert it's halloween right now and um but yeah and i was like you know what screw it let's let's do one more let's finish out the original trilogy i like the idea that we're doing three of them i don't i don't say don't get me wrong i'm excited to do these three movies i just don't have high hopes for this one okay and I'd like to say I said booyah, but I'd like to also say booyah. <laughs> and in response to that, I'm just going to say boo. Oh, boo earns? I was saying boo earns. Um, yeah, I mean, like, the second one was bad. The yeah. first one was was all right. The uh, second yeah. one was, I, like I said in the last pod, there were a couple things I thought, all right, there's like three or four uh, maybe good elements here, but man just generally speaking and i can't get over i've i've been telling people about how embarrassingly bad jason the villain is in jason 2 so here's that's the the real problem right here's the thing i have some semi high hopes for okay i hope i well not to go to predictions just yet and before you even do that though i just want to say yes that like theoretically at least with a, a lot of you know these movies and movies like them 
I think at least what you're almost looking for is for it to be bad, right? Like that's kind of part of the fun. Yes. But Jason 2, I really just felt it was bad in a way where it wasn't fun. It was just like a little too bland. It's only fun if you're with a group of people and you're all aware of how bad this movie is. It's uh, not fun if you're by yourself. I I, I disagree. Well, yes, but also I just I just think it's too much of a bland bad. You know, whereas other Jason movies are a little a little bit more campy fun. And we are listener. Don't don't you be afraid. We're going to continue to watch these movies. We just probably won't be potting all of them. Oh, we're going to pod every single goddamn Jason movie on this planet. Okay, apparently we are potting them all. We're going to do the comics. We're going to do the fan fiction. The comics? Hold on. The comics? Oh, yeah. There is a comic, and I don't think it is explicitly Jason, but there is a comic where Batman fights a Jason-like monster does he wear like a catcher's mask instead he's, of a hockey mask? he's wearing he's wearing like a hockey mask <laughs> okay. and it's, and the fight is actually at a hockey game i even own it and i keep looking for it i can't find it i never remember how it ends oh did it ever exist at all or was it all in your mind no oh my god uh listen i am down to keep watching these movies i like horror franchises i'm new to the and then we keep calling it the jasons but they're actually friday the 13th Yes, although here's an interesting little bit of trivia for you. All right. Um, at some point in the series, I want to say after Jason 8, uh, which I think is Jason Takes Manhattan, uh, but at some point late in the franchise, uh, the property moved studios. So I forget from what studio to what other studio, but when it moved, the name Friday the 13th didn't come with it. So that's why you get a sudden change in titling conventions. Oh. They stop being Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, or Friday the 13th, A New Blood, and, and the titles start to be Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, or yeah. Jason X, Freddy versus Jason. Like, the Jason becomes the title. So tonight's is Friday the 13th, Part 3? Correct. Ah, oh, I love it. Yeah. I have, I, have, I have very low expectations for this. Yeah. I had higher expectations for Jason 2. But here's the thing about horror franchises. The second movie is usually a step back. The third movie usually takes it back up a notch. So you have your first movie that establishes the character. You have your second movie that's like a complete money shot and usually for the worst. And I can say this. Leprechaun 2, garbage. Critters 2, garbage. How dare you? Leprechaun 2 is a beautiful film. It's No, no. Leprechaun... Leprechaun gets better as the movies is was like the sequels go on. So I think this may be a better movie in some respects. I expect it to be better looking. Okay. But I, and I expect it to leave crystal Lake. Interesting. Okay. Because I think they're probably like the, I think the concept behind this movie. And again, I've done no Googling. I still haven't looked at the Wikipedia for any of the Jason movies. I expect this to be the because Jason two for as bad as it was left us on a cliffhanger. This girl being taken away in a stretcher to seemingly an insane asylum. Ginny. Ginny. Yeah. What do you think happens with that? I think we're going to get Ginny back and I think we're going to get the same actress. And I think she's going to be trying to warn everyone about Jason and they're going to be like, Ginny, a slaughter happened at that camp and no one was found. 
and we believe you did it. And she's be like, of course I didn't do it. Jason did it. They're going to be like, we think you had a psychotic break with reality. We found you wearing his mom's sweater. Oh my God. With her head. And what's going to happen in the reality of the movie? Jason's going to be stuck in that mental institution looking to kill Ginny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's my bold prediction. Okay. Now, you do know, uh, in spoilerific fashion, at the end of the last podcast, because we didn't think that we were going to be doing this third one, I did tell you that this is the The hockey mask. Where Jason gets his hockey mask. I mean, that's fine. I don't, I mean, I think outside of being disturbed by the fact that he wasn't wearing it in the second, I don't mind knowing that it's coming in this one, because frankly, I just needed to know what was going to happen. Well, but I also think it bodes well for the film, because, I mean, this is the movie where he becomes the icon that he is right yeah my other bold prediction is that he gets the hockey mask by like meeting a kid and the kid's like cool duds bro (laughs) here's my hockey mask and he's like so it's kind of like that commercial yeah hey kid or in reverse i guess yeah yeah or i just think he's gonna we're gonna expect him to oh i've also been watching american horror story and the new one is basically the new, a big. It's a huge thirteenth. It's a huge, yeah. yeah, which has been surreal. Um, Good timing on that. And yeah. there is there is a moment in that where like Jason runs it. Well, the killer runs into like a fan, and the killer like lets the fan go. And I'm sure that happened in the Jason franchise somewhere. I I don't expect it necessarily to happen in the third one, but it might, or at least a moment similar to it, where like someone's like. You know, like maybe it's Halloween and the person wearing the hockey mask like runs into Jason. They're like, oh, you need this more than I do, dude. Hmm. Okay. All okay. right. So that's my. So um, that's how you think he gets the mask. One of several ways. I mean, I think there's a lot of different, you know, I, I, I would yes and that moment for hours on a podcast. Right. Do you have any other specific predictions you think you're going to. I think we might film? get a known actor in this one, but I'm not going to hedge my bets. Okay. Now, for me, um, as I've mentioned You've seen this one. Yeah, this this is now the start of the Jason movies that I've seen. I'd seen at least big chunks of all of them except for one and two. Did you see this in the theaters? Oh, God, no. All, 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 I've seen none of them in the theaters except for Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, me too. Yeah. Uh, which was a delightful theater-going experience, though. Uh, the audience was really into it. But, um, yeah, uh, this one... I don't think I've seen the entire film. I've seen a lot of it, and it was also a really long time ago. So there's a lot I don't remember about it. Here's what I do remember. Do you want to earmuffs this or no? Because my memories are a little vague. Yeah, I can earmuff it. I'm going to go use the restroom. Okay. All right, I'm off. I'm off, uh, Mike. So if memory serves for me, uh, a huge amount of the action in this film takes place in and around a barn uh jason is hiding in a barn and he and people just keep wandering in there and he just keeps slaughtering everyone who comes in and like i mentioned to josh this is the film where he gets the hockey mask i'm pretty sure though he doesn't acquire that thing until pretty deep into the film could be wrong about that though and um i am also pretty sure that Ginny is not coming back but i guess we'll find out Josh, um, this movie was released 
in 3D. Oh, so we're watching it in 3D, bro? We are not watching this in 3D. Okay, so what should we expect? Uh, I I don't know. Probably I just, nothing. You know, because there, you know, because it's a 3D movie, I wanted the audience to be aware that we're just going to be watching it regular style. Yeah. But if you try to watch this yourself, do be aware that it is possible to get yourself those 3D glasses and uh, watch it in 3D. So This is like Jaws 4, right? That was also... Uh, Jaws 3, actually, because it's Jaws 3D. Oh. oh, it's Jason 3D. Oh, it's Friday the 13th 3D, dude. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I, uh, I'm ready to do it. I didn't really hurt my peener. That was a joke. Oh, that's too bad. Um, it is too bad. Uh, but uh, look, I don't know what else to say. Am I supposed to sign us off? Please do. Hey, it's great to be back on After Dark. It's great to be doing the third Friday the 13th movie. We promise in the future we'll do a better franchise. And if you've been listening to all these episodes, thank you. Heyo, Jason 3. Woo! 3D. 3D, yeah. Three. Oh my god, there was so much 3D. 3D indeed. I was thinking we should maybe take a drink every time there was a ridiculous use of 3D. And we did. <laughs> and so we are now in the hospital <laughs> getting our stomachs pumped. We took 38 shots in the first 10 minutes alone. You actually took a drink for every action of that yo-yo that got used. Yeah. And I thought that was crazy. The yo-yo put me on the medical charts. My God. Uh, so it was 3D indeed. I got to tell you, I, you know, really like this movie. Yeah. It held up pretty well. So you enjoyed what we just watched. You uh, you did not, from the sound of your voice? I liked it a bit. I It has really confirmed some uh, general opinions I was forming about the Jason universe. Okay. The Jason universe is very lazy. <laughs> the Jason universe is very unoriginal. Uh-huh. And... I was, yeah, kind of let down. I mean, there's a certain... But Josh, that's what makes the Jason universe great. I don't... Un- so this is like... That's what people like about these okay, films. Okay, this is going to sound super dumb. You're going to hate this, but like this is the Donald Trump of horror franchises. Fuck you. This is like the fucking MAGA... Fuck like, you. This franchise is like... <laughs> We're going to build a wall and who's going to pay for it? And the fans are like, Mexico. What the fuck are you talking about? This franchise is real lame. Ugh. I don't, I, I guess what I'm saying is that like there, it, it, it's so cheap in terms of its uh, scope, in terms of its mythology. It's very lame. And then in this particular installment, it goes like hardcore against uh very early on against minorities well okay yeah it does do that we'll get to that and and i gotta say like as a franchise goes it's like a lot of uh sound of fury signifying nothing from the first three movies well i kind of disagree with that part but uh, my thing with this movie is that 
this is the film. This is really as far as this series being what it is like. This is the first actual Jason movie, you know, like this is the one where all of the like the tropes really they, they start kind of like developing in the first two movies as we've seen. But like it goes beyond just the hockey mask. I mean, like it it goes into like the characters and what they do and the way the movie unfolds. Like this is the first true Jason film. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. That if this was the first movie, this should be the first movie. This should be the first movie. Yeah. Listeners, if you ever decide to watch the Jason franchise, don't watch one and two. It's like Parks and Rec season one. You don't need to watch it. I mean, there's I I feel like watching the first one is kind of valuable sort of from an academic standpoint. Tom Savini's work is excellent in it. Yeah. And you can see where it all came from. Obviously, the great Kevin Bacon is in it. Yes. uh, And you can link him to all sorts of other actors. But it's not a great horror movie. No. And and also, if you're looking to watch a Jason film like this is the one where it really all comes together. This is a Jason. This is as close to a Jason movie. This is the quintessential Jason movie. Yes, I would. uh, I'm on board with that. Yeah. Well, let's let's freaking talk about it. Okay. So, um, just briefly, uh, again, don't do a ton of research on these after darks, but uh, I'll toss out. Well, I can tell you something I noticed right in the credits, directed by the same person as Jason too. And who is that? Steve Miller. Close. Stephen Miller. No. Nope. Steve Miller Band. Almost. Steve Stefan Urkel. Getting warmer. Steve Miller. From Steve Miner. There you go. Steve Miner with an OR, like Mike Miner, the baseball pitcher. Um, getting colder. Steve Miner, like the coal miner. Yeah. Okay, great. Keeping it political on After Dark. Keeping it political like Steve Miller. Steve Keeping Miller. With the Trump crowd. Steve Miller band. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's Steve like Miner with like an to, E. I'd like to fly like an eagle to the sea. It's Steve Miner with an E, just to be clear. Um, also directed Lake Placid, by the way, which is a movie I do Ooh, like. Ooh, haven't seen it. Not a fan. Yeah, that doesn't okay. mean I'm not a fan, listener. It just means I haven't seen it. Another horror movie in a lake. Yes. Yeah. So, so it's directed by Steve Miner. I'll background go. The initial plan was that um, it was going to be about Ginny, who is our final girl from the last movie. So when we last see Ginny at the end of Jason 2, or Friday the 13th 2, she's being taken away in an ambulance. Yes. Um, and going to a hospital. The original plan was to have Jason follow her to the hospital and attack her there and start killing everybody at the hospital. That too. was my prediction yeah. for what this movie would be. Yet another instance, though, of this series ripping off Halloween, because that is the plot of Halloween 2. Okay. But uh, Amy Steele, the actress who plays Ginny, didn't come back, so they couldn't go with that. So we get a whole new cast for this one. We get, um, let's see here. Dana- Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, you thought you saw Bob Odenkirk. I don't think that's Bob Odenkirk. I think we're going to have to let the audience be the judge. Let's dive into the plot. Well, I would like to say, just to follow up on that. Yeah. At the top of the film, it is a housewife watching a news report on TV. Well, hang on, because that's not even the top of the film. 
the this movie oh opens, right of course this movie opens like all jason's do with the last 15 minutes of jason of the last so movie. so much goddamn flashbacks we had to watch film. literally the last like 12 minutes except we didn't get the uh the false ending of muffin right well at least this one has the excuse that um it has more of a point because in in jason 2 the flashback is just to like recap movie one and yes. this one they show us the end of the previous film but then instead of following the heroes as they go off uh into the wild blue yonder uh we instead follow jason a little bit as he wounded from the fight escapes off somewhere yeah so we we now are now following you know what happens with him which is the seed of a significant problem i have with this movie but oh but that's fine that's fine that's cool and then we get our towny couple who run like the the town gas station store whatever yeah the general the, store the general store local and it's like it's a husband and his like hectoring nagging he, wife who is like 20 years younger than him yeah but like she's so like done up in that like you know she's got like the hair rollers oh the hair rollers like, are important she's practically got the rolling pin in her hands yes. And it's like, and we immediately get just so many of these like 3D shots of just stuff like right pointed right at the camera. It's so dumb. Uh, And so what is the setup is that the husband is out amongst their laundry, which is hung up outside to dry. And she's inside watching local news and local news is waxing on and on about the kill, the killings at Crystal Lake. And I was convinced and am still convinced that the voice delivering that was Bob Odenkirk of Mr. Show's Bob and David and more known Better Call Saul. Now, I believe there was a visual confirmation, but Dave refused to rewind the film to take a look. And granted, listener, I looked it up. Bob Odenkirk's first IMDb credit is 1987. This movie is 1982. He would have been... You know, I don't know, 20, 22 at the time. But also, listener, this is a B movie and crazier things have happened than Bob Odenkirk, who may be the son of a guy who had a friend who had a hand in, was just like, we need a newscaster part right off screen. And he was there. Uh, But what we should also mention about the beginning of this movie is that unlike the first two movies, the uh the opening credits to Jason Three has a real funky soundtrack. Oh yeah, it's definitely a white exploitation film. Yeah. So we get this Tony couple where um the the guy is uh, hanging out feeding his adorable bodega rabbit. Yes, they run a pet side. They have pets. They run a deli and they also have pets. Yeah, and um, this is the first of like this scene maybe goes on for eight minutes, and there are many times where you think this the the scare is coming. This is clearly designed for an audience of people wearing three D glasses, being like, "When is someone going to get an axe through the head?" I know. But um, the the cool thing that I like about this is that when the first kill comes, at which by the way. In a movie which features an awful lot of Friday the 13th uh, franchise staples, uh, the first kill includes one, which is a death in or near a bathroom or outhouse. Yes. Howard, the first guy, is killed uh, while taking a dump. 
and a dump that is quite disgustingly portrayed on screen yeah you fucking hear it and he keeps a bottle of whiskey in a secret compartment by the outhouse which you're like dude that's that's why you're yeah that's diagnosis uh physician heal thyself the reason you have terrible dumps is because you're drinking so much whiskey (laughs) it was not good for my misophonia but um the the part of what sets this movie apart from the first two is that you actually get good shots of these kills we see it like the very first kill guy gets a blade to the chest and you see it hit and this is also the first movie where jason's uh footprint expands outside of crystal lake i mean i don't know he doesn't outside of the campground he went a little bit outside in the second movie he stalked alice to wherever she was yeah um but uh, long story short i took this as a good sign that like we were in for some pretty fun murders it it's a it's a more playful movie than the second one it's a better movie than the second one but i i like i said there and we'll get I'll, i'll summarize it eventually I have huge reservations about what we just watched. Um, so moving on. So he kills the guy and then the he kills Howard's wife. Yeah. And then we are And then in- we get an awesome like zoom in logo, Jason, uh Friday the thirteenth, part three. Funky music. With funky music in the background. And again, uh, listeners, if you do watch this yourself, I highly recommend taking a drink anytime there is some ridiculous, uh, obvious uh, 3D straight at the camera action. There there are plenty. If you want to go to the hospital. Yeah. Um, so then we're introduced to our new set of teens. Yeah, which I thought was odd. Why? Because we left the last movie off with the destruction of Camp Blood or at least a huge death toll at it. They introduce these new teens and they don't really give us the context in the introduction that they're going to a different camp on the same lake. Well, they're visiting someone's like lake house. Yeah. What is that what they're doing? Yeah. They're, they're, they're going to hang out. Uh, what's the boyfriend's name? That's Rick? a, that's a quite a lake house. Yeah. Well, most lake houses are nice. Multiple. That's multiple properties, right? Like they're not all staying in the one spot. Sure. It's a big house. Uh, okay it's a big lake house they're going to hang out but this is actually kind of a wonderful introduction to the to our main cast that is uh almost perfectly mirrored in cabin on the woods yeah cabin in the cabin in the yeah woods. this is this is like the archetype of the teen cannon fodder for yeah. slashers you know yeah. we've got you know we've got the slutty couple we've got the final the slutty couple but the wife is pregnant yeah so weird right one yes. of them is pregnant which very strange um we've got the virginal final girl yes uh, who is weirdly struggling with ptsd yes as a previous trauma victim which we'll talk about we've got some stoners yes we've got shelly the weird the kind chubby of, theater guy that was me got that a, was shelly was my spirit animal but he's got a whole harold and maude thing going yeah on. he's just very odd we have vera who, i've got to have my props yeah <laughs> vera who's his date who is latina so not an entirely white cast and not uh, and her mom is like you can't go to that lake i know what happens at that lake if only she'd listened yeah and then um i guess we'll meet rick her dour shitty boyfriend later wait do you mean we may meet rick that guy who's talks like this most of the movie 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so... But, but... The, all also, these scenes meet up. Uh, they're, yes. They're not just the archetype for the group, but they're also the archetype for the group of people who get killed because they're smoking weed. Well, we didn't even get there. They... Yeah, but yes. And they're introduced talking about so the slutty couple could come out and they're like sex 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 that's what you guys always think about you're so boring and then the guy was like what would a weekend at the lake be without it and it's just like oh boy and then they are pick up the new girl and she's like oh my god your van is on fire and they're like what so much smoke pouring out of it they all sprint over but what's going on in the back just the hippie couple taking bong rips. And they're not just taking bong rips. Each one of them has their own personal bong. Uh, not, and not just like a, well, when you say personal bong, you think like something within the six inch range. It's like a two, they each have a two foot long gravity bong type thing. Jesus Christ. They're so smoking, big. but that's the only way to justify how, like, I feel like it's one of those things where the director was like, so much pot smoke that it's coming outside of the van. And then the prospect was like, you mean like these two little six inch bongs? And he's like, the van no. has to look like <laughs> it is on fire. The van has to look like it's on fire. The character says it's on fire. The processor's like, I don't know, these giant ones? He's like, sir, that would never physically happen. He's like, bingo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we also meet Chris, the final girl who alludes that something has happened to her previously. At the yeah. Lake. So this is where I was very confused because she's like, Two years ago was terrible for me, but we can all go back there. It's fine. Well, it's foreshadowing, Josh. Well, it's I know it's foreshadowing, but in my mind, I was wondering, was she part of the first movie and we and I didn't track it or like what is I guess we'll find out. Well, we'll find out what we find out is hugely fucking disappointing. All right. Jeez. Um, also, there's some like kind of badly given exposition where it's just like. Oh, Shelly, you know, you're my roommate and I kind of like you. So invited you on this thing and you have trouble getting dates, but it's because you're an asshole. And you know, it's like, yeah, I know. It's because I'm not very in- good with people. And it's like, oh, my God, just like tell us more about yourself. Also, he doesn't say he says, I'm not an asshole. I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah. Same thing. Uh, Shelly. But Shelly is also sort of pudgy and kind of like how I was for most of my, like, you know, young adult life. So I kind of identify with that guy. But were you as irritatingly pathetic? I was irritated. I was as irritating. I don't know. And probably equally pathetic. Yeah, probably. Damn. So they're driving to the house on Crystal Lake. They wind up having to eat all of their, or well, what we think is all of their weed. Not quite all of it, because the cops. This is the dumbest part. (laughs) Yeah, we get a little super troopers (laughs) opening moment. So they're they're driving down the highway, all of them in a bus, and they see cop headlights well behind them, well behind them, and they assume that the cops have found, figured them out, and are pulling them over. Well, with that got with that fucking amount of weed smoke pouring out of the van it's not that crazy like g scoop man the, the fuzz has got us and they're all stoned that's so they're right. freaking out that's right baby those cops are really on our tail eat the weed eat the weed they immediately decide they're not cartoon characters like shaggy and scooby they're like what do we do eat all of the marijuana and i they- can't eat it i'm pregnant yes yeah, which one character reveals the rest of them just start eating joints 
Just like, oh, mom, 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 mom. Oh, but what was it? It was like a lot of other things in this movie. A false alarm. Yeah, because the cops are going to collect uh, the couple who just got murdered earlier. And again, they had no reason to believe otherwise when they started to freak out. Well, but they were stoned. But along the way, now we know Crazy Ralph died in the last movie. Yes. But it's okay because we run into or nearly run over... <laughs> Crazy Ralph 2.0. Oh, man. Just a man... this old prospector type guy. <laughs> yeah. Lying in the middle of the road. He's not Gus Chiggins, but his name might as well be Gus Chiggins. He's just lying in the middle of the road. Yes. They stop, and he gets up, and he's like... At first, they're like, hey, what's up, old man? Are you all right? And he's got this thing in his hand, and he's like, I uh, uh, got a message for you. I just gotta look at this thing and they're like that thing is an eyeball dude he shows them this fucking eyeball and then he says oh the gods told me to tell you you were doomed but actually the the truth is they're all already in the van and driving by him at that point because by the time he gets anything coherent about his weird warning they're like driving him over in the van and already moved on yeah but i mean you know you see a crazy old prospector in the road holding an eyeball for us now, we should all know that this is a bad sign and we should drive the other way. I mean, I've run into many old prospectors, and I think it's a tribute to them and their craft that I have gotten more trouble. Yeah. Always listen to a prospector. Always listen to a prospector, especially when he's lying down in the road. Holding an eyeball. Yes. Or any body part. I I was unimpressed with the eyeball at first, but it did come around. I I thought it looked good. Speaking of looking good, so as the van is driving up to the lake house, one thing that I did notice about this film is just generally speaking, I I mean, I don't know if it was just they had more money behind it for better cameras and film stock or what, because it's the same director, but like the film just looks better than the previous two. Like the colors are richer, uh, everything looks a little nicer. And I mean, even some of the shots, like there were a few shots in this movie that I thought were genuinely pretty great. It does look better, but it has substantially less substantial value. As a film? Yes. Oh, all right. Then two. Compared to one and two? Yes. I disagree. Two is bad. And this movie makes two look like not bad. Strong disagree. But anyway, so they've arrived at the house and Rick is already there, who is uh, Chris's boyfriend. He hasn't seen her in a while. And so... Rick's girlfriend, who hasn't been around in a while because she suffered a horrible trauma that she's recovering from, he sees her walk in the door and he decides to greet her by grabbing her by the throat, throwing her against the wall and kissing her as hard as he can. Yeah, he really Harvey Weinstein's it. Yeah, and then he's a huge dick about it when she's like, hey, buddy, I'm not in the mood right now. Yeah, he's like, what do you mean you're not in the mood right now? And she's like, well, I guess I am. I don't know. He's such a fucking asshole to her. What does he say? There's only so many cold showers I can take. Yeah, he's he's basically, he's super aggressive. Let me tell you, listener, I'm going to give away a spoiler. He gets murdered later in the movie, and you're pretty happy about it. Yeah, I was fine with it. Because he's not just a shitty character, but he's a shitty actor. Yeah. He's, he's easily the Absolutely actor the terrible. Film. Yeah. I think some of the other actors were fine. He was not good. Almost everyone but him, and I'm sorry, I forget the character's name because she was so boring, but the other, the the woman that survives. Oh, Chris? Chris. I thought she was okay. 
him him and Chris are so wooden and so unmemorable. And yeah, it's great when he passes. But uh, in this scene, he's also a, a bit of a, a rapist. I mean, he's like uh, trying to well, he's just a shitty boyfriend. Yeah. You know, he's guilting her into not immediately fucking him. Well, you know, it's the Me Too world, Dave. Let's call it what it is. Attempted rape. <laughs> anyway, um, so everyone all, everyone goes off skinny dipping except for Shelly because he's not skinny enough. Okay, well, let's be clear. This isn't like even quite one of those movies that has that coherent a plot. Yeah. Two of them go off in one direction. Two of them go off in another direction. Like, no one, there's... Well, you know, it's it's kind of like what it's like when you go hang out at a lake. It's a lot of people just hanging out. Like, Shelly goes into town. Yeah. But before they But he do has that, to force someone to drive into town with him because she's going without him. Right. But before we do that, we do explore the the area a little bit. Okay. So first we see a little bit of the house, and we note that our slutty couple whose names I don't remember, I think it's like Andy and someone else, I forget the pregnant girl's name. Um, but they have to sleep in a hammock. Yes. Which is a problem because Josh, can you bang in a hammock? Yes, you can have sex in a hammock. Are you really? It's yeah. Will it support that? Yes. Oh, a proper hammock will support at least 350 pounds, which should be two humans. And, you know, a hammock like that, that's permanently installed in place easily can support the weight. The question is, how do you do it? And that is up to you, my dear listener. Just feels like it would be very unsteady. You couldn't like any sort of kind of energetic thrusting would easily dump you out of that thing. But that presupposes you can only have sex with energetic thrusting. Oh, oh, I see. Have you ever had sex with quiet thrusting, Dave? I have actually never had sex. Oh, I am a virgin. Well, if you're in a hammock, here's my guide. Okay. Just sort of, you become the human dildo. Just lay there and take it. You and the hammock become one inanimate object together. Okay, I see. Well, anyway, uh, the other key thing that we discover on the grounds is the barn. Ah, the barn. Now you can have sex in a barn very easily. Oh, you can? Yes. I didn't know that. You can have a roll in the hay, as some of the characters actually suggest they do. Ah, that's where that term comes from. And uh, this... It does not come from this movie. It comes from having sex in a barn, but not from this movie. Oh, I see. I I see. Learning new things all the time. So, yeah. So, this barn is going to be where Jason is going to be spending a lot of his time. But we'll we'll get there. So, they they show the barn off. And they do it in a very nice uh, horror movie fashion. Where they sort of show all the tricks of the barn. Like, they're like... Hey, here's a rope that can pull stuff up. And you're like, all right. And here's all, here's all the weapons the, in here's there. All the, here's all the pitchforks in the barn. And the, the nooks and the crannies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they kind of like do a nice little tease of like, oh, the barn's going to be a deal. And you're like, just sitting there like, oh, when's right. the barn going to happen? And we get yet another. See, Shelly is introduced pulling a ridiculous like, you know, prank with a mask and a knife being a murder yeah it's imitator it's one of those things where you're just like i gotta fit in with the group so his way of fitting with the group is being like super you know the the center of attention but he does the the harold and maude thing where in the scene where they're checking at the barn we hear a scream and it's because he's faked his own death yeah i haven't well i haven't seen harold and maude so it's uh, oh really yeah oh i don't like johnny depp johnny depp is not in harold and maude is that uh 
in Harold and Maude, there's a character who, uh, like Shelley in this movie, uh, makes like he's Betty killed himself. June? Yeah. There is a character in Harold and Maude who uh, makes himself up like he's killed himself. All right. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not Johnny Depp. No, it's not Johnny Depp. So, so anyway, so Shelley pulls this stupid stunt, freaking everybody out. They're all mad at him. And he decides, you know, he'll make himself scarce for a while. He goes and accompanies Vera into town to uh, go shopping at uh, a different local store that's open because the proprietors haven't been murdered yet. And here we meet some 80s punks. This is what you were not comfortable with, Josh, correct? <sighs> they're not just 80s punks. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're, it's, the entire scene is crazy. So there's the two heroes of the story, Shelley and Vera, at this place, and they get... They're not the heroes of the story, by the way, well, in terms of death count. Well, there are protagonists but in there this are scene. Pro- yeah. And they get hassled by these punks who are dressed in, like, that very 80s, like, punk it's fashion, It's a biker gang way. that consists of a, a woman of color, a... Uh, I, I don't even like saying that. That makes me sound, like, terrible. So the biker gang consists of two black people and one white person and they are very clearly made up to be intimidating because of this right like they're what white america in the 80s are supposed to be scared of right But to be clear they are robbing a couple while they are in line at a store well they don't even rob them they just sort of like hassle and intimidate i them. thought they took 20 don't they take a 20 out of his wallet or something like at the end he's like that was a 20 i think she just pays with it and walks out with it oh change. i see but you know they're, they're being intimidated and like you know yeah treated they're being badly. frightened yeah so you know it's it's not a great scene no it's it's super bad yeah but uh as they're leaving they make matters worse because as they're pulling out of the place shelly backs his uh volkswagen beetle into their bikes yeah so this is one of my actually favorite parts of the movie is that he he accidentally he's like we gotta get out of here and he accidentally rear ends one of their motorcycles which knocks all of them over in sort of a domino right but one of the bikers who's enjoying a beer that you sort of presume was bought with the leftover tab left by them leaving the 20 is like what the mother and he you can swear on this he jumps on the bike i'm just but i'm doing it like movie because he doesn't really swear in the movie jumps on the bike and they're in a little volkswagen bug so they they're afraid now and they're like oh no we better run away from this guy in the bike. But then he just, he decides to pull around and do a full circle and just ram the bike. Yeah. So they can't follow them. And I was like, yeah, dude, good on you. I don't know why you didn't just like throw it into reverse and knock them all over, like, and take them out, take them out when you did it the first time. But, uh, anyway, so we go back to the, uh, lake house and, uh, First, we get some pretty great yo-yo scenes for all you 3D enthusiasts out there. Yes. But then our couple decides to uh, go have some sexcapades. To it, we get the great line after it's suggested. Um, Sounds disgusting. Let's go. Yeah. Which I liked. But unfortunately, despite, despite Shelly's heroics back at the store, the punks have followed. 
Yeah, and th- yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they have. And their solution on getting back at first we thought was just siphoning gas. Right. So they're siphoning gas from a van, which is like, do you I mean, I guess it's a thing that you only would have to do in the modern era in complete societal collapse. Yeah, in a Mad Max scenario. But like it is funny to me how many eighties movies and ninety movies were like siphoning gas was just like, oh yeah, that's what they're doing now. Yeah. Like for them, it was like, oh, do you not know how to do this? You should probably know how to do this. Now our generation is like, wait, what? And, and you and I would probably be some of the only people that'd be like, oh, yeah, you just got to get a tube and gravity does the rest. Yeah. Um. So if you're a prepper, hey, you're super prepared by knowing about how to siphon gas. It's in the name. They're siphoning gas. We think just to sort of rob them and get even. But no, it's to actually set the barn on fire, which is really intense. Like they're going to burn the barn down with gas siphon from their own vehicle. Overkill, in my opinion. Seems like too much yeah. for a thwarted robbery attempt. Well, he did Remember, run over their bikes. I mean, yes. But they obviously got there somehow, perhaps on their repaired bikes. Yeah. Um, but so uh, while the two dudes are doing that, the girl, Fox, goes to explore the barn a little bit. Oh, yeah. And she's checking it out. And she's actually kind of having a fun time up in there. Barns are cool. Yeah. Up until... Barns Ru- and Noble. Hey. <laughs> but Rutrow, suddenly she's not there anymore. Oh, yeah. Jason is there. Yeah. Jason's been hiding out in this barn. But... It's a, it's one of many false alarms because the guy, uh, another biker, walks in front of the barn and she comes out the out the double doors on a swing. She disappears back inside and the guy's like, hey, hey where where did you go? Where did you go? Where did you go? It's a little Mighty Buddy Boston's riff. Uh, she's gone and he walks into the barn and finds her dead and this looked really cool because she's dead she's been she has a pitchfork through her throat through and her it's throat. pinning her up into the wall so that she's like off the ground yeah it looked really cool it did and then then jason takes another pitchfork to the guy yeah so then this guy also gets killed um, by a pitchfork right now, jason and uses- not just their reviews hey <laughs> So so that's two bike the two bikers down. The third biker Ali now unbeknownst to him the only one left alive comes looking for his two friends and he's looking around and Jason drops down from the uh top floor of the barn. But Ali's tough and he's ready to fight Jason. Uh, yes. Well, in this shot just like Jason hacks him to death. Does he hack him or is he just punching him? I thought he was Oh, maybe. But the thing about this fight, though, is that Ali has been shown to be like a big, strong, tough guy. Okay. And so he goes to fight Jason. And this, I think, is where we start to develop the Jason that we know is the icon that he is, because I think we're starting to see a little bit of the Jason super strength. Yes. That, um, you know, in the previous film, he was much more of just a guy. Whereas now he's developing more into the super strong, invincible monster that he would become. Yes, this is absolutely closer to that. Yeah, because he takes Ali out right away. You know, it's like one punch, boom, guy's down. Yes. And then he, you know, at least we think, finishes him off with a few whacks to the head. Yes, yes. Yeah. 
So yeah, this could be the beginning of super strong Jason. We go back to our, our heroes who are blissfully unaware of what's just gone down in the barn. Shelly tries to get it on with um, Vera, but he gets shot down. She likes him okay, but not in that way. And she decides to go outside. Yeah. And he responds to that with, a, okay, I'll talk to you later. Bitch. Yeah. Not, uh, not taking no, it very not, well. Not good. Yeah. And uh, so while he's mending, tending to his broken heart, Chris and Rick go off on their own to have a heart to heart about what happened to her. Yes. And we finally find out what has been, uh, you know, bothering her the whole time she's been back in the area. Yes. And what was that? Well, so I was disappointed because I thought it would be a tie into the first Jason movie. What is a sort but of? But her, well, what happened was that she ran away from her parents into the woods to hide from them. And while she was hiding in the woods, she was assaulted by Jason. And she escaped. But what this does that frustrates me is that it assumes that there was an adult Jason running around at the time of the first movie because she says it was two years ago. Now, I well, I guess, uh, didn't we jump five years from one to two? So maybe I'm wrong about that. I think timeline-wise it can still work. But if Jason the adult existed, why is he not part of the first movie? Because I think timeline-wise it can still work that the Revenant Jason only rose after Mrs. Voorhees died. If you're saying there's five years between movies one and two and her incident happened uh, when she says two years ago, she's talking about movie two. Yeah. Okay. I tracked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just mad at the time because I was like, well, I know this movie came out in 81. So the... Yeah, no, so like two years ago, the movie time is not the same as, uh, you know, real life chronology. Right. Yeah. Um, they're thank you for reminding me of that, Dave. They're actually in the future. I thought it was 82 right now. No, they're ahead of us. Vera is hanging out on this dock in this very fetching all red getup, which I liked quite a bit. And while she's hanging out there, fucking Shelly decides to play yet another prank. Oh, man. But this time, he's got a very special accoutrement. Yes. And what is that? A hockey mask. Now, Josh... A hockey goalie mask. Yes, it is a goalie mask. Um, I wanted to ask you in part one, but forgot. Josh, do you know what team that mask is from? No. Okay. Any guesses? The Montreal Expos. Close. It's the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Yeah. Um, so he plays this ridiculous prank on Vera and freaks her out. And when she yells at him, he gets all pathetic again and just like, ugh. Honestly, his patheticness is really off-putting during the course of this movie. It doesn't do anything to attract uh, the lady to him. He uh, goes off into the barn and um he like spies something at the barn this is one thing about the movie is that they people are constantly seeing something at the barn happening like movement or a person walking in and out of it and they're like hmm i should go check on that if you ever saw that in your real life you'd be like hmm movement at the barn i'm calling the fucking police or at least i'm not going in there alone yeah like, now I'm- they're all like alone the perfect time <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm out of people to explore the barn. Right. In the middle of the night. In this isolated place. Anyway, so shortly after Shelly wanders off, Vera, who's trying to retrieve uh, Shelly's wallet, which she's dropped into the lake, sees someone coming back out of the barn towards her. And we get, for the very first time in this franchise, Jason Voorhees in his full glory. He looks better in this movie than he did in any of Jason 2. No, he looks awesome. He's he's, He's big... He's scary looking. He's got the mask. He lumbers. Yeah, he's he's moving slowly and surely. But stealthily. Yeah, and he's got this harpoon gun, and he, sh- <laughs> yeah. he shoots Vera through the eye with it. Yeah. It's a cool kill. It is. Poor Vera. Uh, her mom was right. Mom Vera, was right. Uh, can I say that? Have I, I've, I've probably told my Bob Goulet story here. But uh, the time I met Robert Goulet, he was like, I was asking him about how his time on The Simpsons, and he said, oh yeah, that was great. I mentioned you on that program, and he turned to his right, to his manager, whose name was Vera, and she was actually there. Vera said that? Vera said that. I got to meet Vera, Vera said that. Nice, (laughs) nice. Um, So about half of our protagonists are dead at this point. Yeah. Our our slutty couple are still alive, though. The girl is taking a shower. We get yet another kind of psycho homage, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Andy, her boyfriend, is walking around on his hands for no other reason I can figure this out. This 80s except, fun. Or really just to set up his death, which is to hand walk through the halls and then get bisected by Jason, swing machete down into his crotch. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think with that, at this point, what's actually fun about this is that it's not a huge cast. So you're really like, oh, man, we're down to to just a handful of people like that was one thing about two that was not great was there was a huge amount of people which meant the body count was large. But I I think there's a higher body count in this one. I mean, maybe overall, but it's uh, it's like you were introduced to. 24 counselors you were introduced to like eight people on vacation right right and i think we completely glossed over the hippie deaths i mean I think they're not they, dead yet really so, they're still not dead no, they outlast this couple they outlast everyone except for the the final two okay. yeah yeah they they last surprisingly long given that they're dumb stoners yeah i was surprised too um but so well then they're not very dumb <laughs> maybe um so the pregnant girl, she goes back to the hammock because she doesn't know her boyfriend's dead yet. And she picks up a magazine that is open to an article about famous makeup artist Tom Savini. Hey! And then a second later, she gets a machete through the chest. In a nice homage to Kevin Bacon's death from the yes. first movie. And Tom Savini. Yeah, where Kevin Bacon died with an arrow from underneath him coming out his throat. She gets a machete popping out from underneath her through her chest it looked really good and she gets to die in a hammock how relaxing you could wish for there would be worse now can you die in a hammock no you can only float um i can't believe though that they kill a pregnant woman in this movie i yeah i mean isn't that kind of surprising it's just to make it super gutter i guess i mean she's not visibly pregnant so i guess that helps oh yes clearly 
this movie's clearly made by liberal scum. <laughs> it does not have a liberal message. It also, though, you know, for as much as this movie or this franchise, I should say, is tied up with having a lot of like boobs, uh, no boobs in this movie. There's boobs in this movie. There's some side boob. There's yes, but um, not. I mean, the last movie had basically full frontal nudity, didn't it? It did. Or that she, uh, a girl, gets fully naked to go skinny dipping. Yes. At least. So not none of that in this film. It's a lot more weed smoking. Yes. Well, anyway, only at the ha- since uh, Chris and Rick are still off having their heart to heart. The only two people left alive at the house are now the two stoners. Yeah whose names I never really got. Um, while they're hanging out, Shelly comes in with his throat cut. Oh, do you not get their names? Uh, we probably do, but no, I... No, they are. They are, I wrote them down. It's Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Great. <laughs> which one's the guy and which one's the girl? Cheech is the guy. Okay. Chong is the girl. Yeah. That's not how I would have thought it would go. Um, but Shelly gets his crying wolf come up and yeah karma's a bitch yes. because no one believes him that he's actually dying this time so fuck you shelly but uh the 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 guy stoner goes down into the basement and we get this is one of those cool shots i was talking about where there's a nice shot of him in the front of the frame and then jason is looming behind him silhouetted by the like bare light bulb which is then behind jason and it just it looks really good it's a really cool looking shot yeah i mean this is probably one of those movies where they lucked out and got a young cinematographer who was willing to work for cheap who ended up being really good i I, like i know that the director carries over but I assume that that the only reason this movie looks better is because his crew improved. I don't believe like a director so uh, materially responsible for the look and feel of a film. And this doesn't feel that different from the second one. It just looks better. Um, and they got a better SFX. I, I don't think it was the same SFX person because the SFX are better in this one than they are the second. That could be true. Um, but for whatever reason, it works, makes for a better movie. But the stoners die. Yeah. Um, the girl stoner, now having you know seen Shelly's body and starting to discover all the bodies everywhere, tries to get away. But Jason puts a red hot poker right through her guts. Yeah. And this is one of those Jason things that I think is also maybe like a serial killer movie thing. It's like the, the prior victims start to become like puppets that just fall out of nowhere. Yeah, like like later, if you survive to be later in the movie, great. But be prepared to see your dead loved ones just emerge or fall from spaces. Yeah, yeah, I I think that happens later. But um, it is sort of like becoming a. I think this has happened in all three films now, yeah, where yeah. someone who has died previously will definitely like fall upside down out of a tree. Oh, dead, of course. And someone will be like, ah, or Ralph was discovered in the pantry. Right. Right. But, but specifically to like fall upside down out of some, they are pretty lazy about it in this one. At one point, Jason just throws a dead body through the window. Oh, well that was one I was going to bring up later when it actually happened, because that actually is a Friday the 13th staple. It's happened. It happened in the first movie. And it happens in this one, and it happens in another one, too. The The body getting thrown through a window is a Friday the 13th right. staple. Rick and Chris get back to the house, and once again, we have the girl 
character realizing something's wrong right away and the guy character being like i think everything's fine i'm sure it'll be okay fucking idiot so he goes outside and then we get yet another good shot where chris is out on the porch kind of calling out for rick and he is just off to the side in the shadows getting choked and murdered by jason just out of sight from where chris is calling for him she goes back inside and then we get one of the cooler deaths in this movie and one of the best 3d shots what happens he squeezes his head till his eye pops out right at the camera right drink drink i think when that i think if if an eyeball pops out you have to actually finish your drink that's one of the rules but anyway so at this point chris is now uh cottoned on to the fact that people are dead yeah and jason starts uh trying to kill her she's pretty resourceful i think about trying to defend herself during the course of this final fight Unlike some of the characters in the first film who you were critical of, she uses heavy things to push in his way. Yes. Like a bookcase. Yes. I think that she mounts probably the greatest offensive against Jason. And one of the things I liked about it, and we talked about his uh, potential for superhuman strength, but she just was like, I'm going to whack him in the face with a tree branch. Oh, yeah. She hits him with a And he's like, oh, that put that laid me up like i like that there's a little humanity to it another thing that she does too that's resourceful is she pulls a knife out of the body of her friend and uses it on him and she comes after him and he is uh, taking him back yeah she is like swinging at him like nobody's business and when she does get him she stabs him this is unusual for jason in later films where he's always silent he cries out in pain yeah but then she makes that epic mistake of just leaving it buried in him why did you finish the job? I don't know. Why does anyone finish the job? No one ever finishes the job. No one ever finishes the job with Jason. Yeah, another franchise. Let me tell you about Jason, the boy who could never be killed. And why wasn't he killed children out of laziness of the killers? It wasn't his superhuman strength. It was just they could never finish the job. At the end of these movies, he's always just sort of like, he's been shot, he's been stabbed. Dude, don't leave. Take that body cut his head off cut off the arms and legs burn them spread the ashes then like take a dump on them they must have and then that has to be the premise of like jason goes to hell i guess we'll find out in a few weeks so (laughs) so she she stabs him she runs away and actually this leads to a pretty great chase sequence where we know as the viewer he's not dead and he's coming after her she tries to get away in the van of initially she tries to get away in the van which we know from earlier in the movie has been siphoned of all its gas yeah so she pretty good uh good screen right in there having that come she's driving it over a bridge except there's this odd thing where she's like oh the reserve and she flips a switch that says reserve. Yeah, the reserve gas tank. That might be a thing of 80s cars, but I don't think it was. Nah. I mean, maybe movie you're telling the truth. Anyway, the point is, actually what she learns is that the bridge that she stalled out on is about to collapse. And it collapses and kind of fucks everything up. Or, like, doesn't collapse completely, but it, like... Well, it, it takes the van with it. takes the van. You think maybe Jason with it but nah he's he's still on her trail so it's so back she, to the barn so she's back to the barn yeah back to the barn but 
She gets the drop on him. And actually, she what's interesting is she goes in the barn and throws the the lock down on the door. He's able to pry the barn doors open enough to remove the safety bar. Then he gets into the barn and he's like, oh, the safety bar is going right back where it was. He literally restores it because he's like, I, I guess his thought is like, I'm Jason. I'm going to put it on and I'm going to tug it down so she can't get out of the barn. Yeah. But it made me laugh because it was like, <laughs> what a thoughtful, what a thoughtful intruder. <laughs> what a thoughtful guy is like, hey, I may be breaking in, but I'm going to make sure that lock is secured behind me. Okay. He doesn't I, want the horses to get away. I don't want the horses to get away. That's the first part of this break and everyone's going to learn is that I'm a very giving breakage. Michael Myers wouldn't have thought of that. No, Michael Myers would just come on. If it was Mike Myers, he would have just clattered through like a, a a wall. Like Mike Myers didn't open doors; he just smashed through whatever was necessary. Well, I think in a later movie, Jason also would have just smashed through the wall. Absolutely. And actually, uh, in this movie, she tries to run him over with the van. I do like she sees him with the van. He jumps out of the way. Yeah, she floors it to try and hit him. And he like very nimbly jumps out of the way. In a later Jason movie, I think he's just taken the hit. Yeah. He'll just let that van van smash him and get back up. Yeah. But anyway, they fight in the barn for a bit. She gets him down and then she fucking hangs him. Yeah. It's badass as shit. She throws that that swing that we've seen used throughout the thing. Fox was using it and Yeah, and we haven't other talked about it too extensively, it. but there is like a rope that is intended to haul stuff up to the barn, but it's also the the characters use it as a swing. Yeah. And she hangs She ties it, it around uh Jason's neck and kicks him out of the barn. Well, it's not even that she kicks him out of the barn. He's passed out. She ties it around his neck. He wakes up and charges, and he throws himself out. No, 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 no. He's he's fighting. She she roll, starts rolling him, and he's fighting to try and not get. Oh, really? Rolled out, and she kicks him off, and he gets hung, and it's awesome. Yeah, except uh, well, but know, except he's undead. No, Jason, he's not dead yet. Yeah, so it's like that Monty Python movie where he's like, "Is this a parrot shop?" Hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's only, and it's like that other sketch where it's only a flesh wound. Anyway, um, so she thinks that she's done. I think it's from Monty Python movie. I don't think that's a sketch. That is correct. Um, It's a sketch within the movie. She thinks she's done, except he's not dead. And so he starts to free himself from the noose. And while he's doing it, he lifts his mask just to show her who he is. Because he remembers her from the previous attack. So like a dick, he's just like, oh, and by the way... I'm the guy who attacked you before. Fucking asshole. Yeah, I was like, did she not get that? Well, she hadn't seen his face. (sighs) But once she sees the face, she starts to have a PTSD or more of a PTSD flashback and, you know, starts to lose it. And he's coming, you know, he's got her now. He's got her cornered. She's dead to rights. But then who should come to her rescue? The least likely of saviors. Uh, Yeah. Our man from the motorcycle gang. Ali. Ali. He is not dead. He takes one more crack at Jason. And Jason's like, did I kill you earlier? And he patches him to bits. After cutting his fucking hand off. Yeah. Another cool uh, little bit but of But this gives her enough time. This gives Hero Girl enough time to scramble around and grab an axe. Which she plants right in Jason's head. Yeah. Now, 
nothing we have learned up until this point tells us that that's enough to kill Jason. She literally hung him and he was still alive. But she decides... Well, he could be going by zombie rules where it's like you have to cut off the head or destroy the brain. That's what it seems like. And yet, her response to all this is to walk out to the water, find a canoe. It's the first movie all over again. And kind of decide to float away, except she wakes up the next morning and she is still in shallow water and has not moved anywhere. Yeah, she is not in the middle of the lake where it's safer at all. And then she tries to push herself away and realizes she can't because she's stuck on some stupid route. And then she looks back at the barn and sees Jason. Like Jason's just like, well, waking up from my let's ax in the head. What's new today to kill? Oh, there's that girl I was chasing last night. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in the house. He's like looking for her in the house. And so she freaks out, and then who should come jumping out of the lake? Well, at this her? is the thing is that he charges out of the house at her, and she's like, "Oh fuck! Oh fuck! I can't get away from these ro- these roots. What's wrong?" Up, oh, he's gone. It was all a dream. It was all a dream. Okay, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Boom! Up out of the water comes Mama Voorhees in a reversal in of the a first super movie. animatronic-y looking bad puppety. Like, like real, real rough looking effect. It doesn't look great, but you know, it's also they're in shallow water. It makes no sense. Well, like in the first movie, it's her having that dream. But then it cuts to this police officer who's like the woodenest actor that's ever acted. Even worse than Rick. Yes. Mm. I will go on podcast and say worse than Rick. He's like, hey. So we found some bodies down by like a lot of people. She had to get taken off to say a song. So that's the end. That's it, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah, they basically she is let out of the house and is clearly basically gone mad and uh, is thrown in the back of a cop car and they drive her away. And we get one last shot of the uh, the tranquil Crystal Lake, not looking as nice as it did in the first two movies, yeah. a little a little dirtier and cloudier. But uh, yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. So uh, you know, we not 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 just one final jump scare, but two final jump scares. Hey, yeah, jump scare inflation. But yeah, that's the end. So uh, what did you think? I mean, my assessment has to be a bit about the entire franchise. Well, I will up say to this point, your prediction was that you were going in with low expectations, but that you thought that this would be a bounce back from movie number two. It's better than the second movie. OK, but it's not a good movie. Mm. We did not leave Crystal Lake. We didn't leave Crystal Lake. <laughs> I think I can write my autobiography. Joshua Kohler. Will we ever leave Crystal Lake? Ginny did not come back. No. And he- but we still had to watch. I mean, we didn't really dwell on that. We had to watch. 10 minutes of the second movie. So this movie's an hour, 35 minutes and 10 minutes of it is watching the second movie. Cheap way to make a film. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I I guess what I'm most perplexed by, like how much money does this make? I'll tell you in a second. I want to finish comparing your predicts though, which was, um, didn't get the mask from a kid. Didn't let a fan go. This movie was better looking than the last one. 
And uh, there's the question, um, was there a known actor in this? I think there was. I mean, I do think that is Bob Odenkirk, Mm. but I want to ask him on Twitter. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I'm just going to hit you with a few little trivia tidbits that I picked up. Go for it. So, as you saw, this movie was released in 3D. It was the first ever 3D film to receive a wide domestic release. It was released on over a thousand screens. Wow. And about 800 of them were 3D, uh, 3D capable screens. The decision, and this is quoting Wikipedia, the decision to dress Jason Voorhees in his now signature hockey mask occurred during a lighting check on set. The film's 3D effects supervisor, Martin Sadoff, was a hockey fan and supplied a Detroit Red Wings goaltender mask to Miner. Miner loved the mask, but during test shots found it was too small. Using a technique called vacuform, makeup effects director <laughs> Doug White enlarged the mask and created a new mold to work with. After White finished the molds, art director Ter- Terry Ballard placed a new set of red triangles on the mask to give it a unique appearance. Also, you will probably agree with this, the casting apparently was based more on looks than on talent. Interesting. Well, a few things about that. Uh, Vacuform is, uh, they make it sound like, I mean, that's obviously a, a clip from someone who was like, around the film at the time, but vacuform is uh, not really a space age technique at this point. Uh. It's pretty, it's just the name for sort of uh, molding anything, uh, doing a, doing like a, a mold of something in plastic or rubber plastic. So like I've done a lot of productions that have had vacuform bricks as part of the set. So if you look at like a show I've done that has a lot of bricks, that's vacuform because it is a mold of bricks that that are that are made with plastic but according to wick to imdb yeah the newscaster was voiced by steve minor huh and that that is not bob odenkirk but steve minor um so you were asking josh the budget of this movie was 2.2 million dollars it's a lot of money at the time yeah the box office was thirty six point seven million dollars. What? It's very successful. Say that again. Thirty six point seven million dollars. Are you kidding me? This movie dethroned E. T. from being number one at the box office. So this is a bad movie. This is a bad movie. I have to go around and tell thirty seven million people. This is why the boomers are ruining it. Well now that's to- fucking, that's fucking- to be f- I'm walk I'm walking away from the pod. To be fair, Josh, uh ET went up and down a bunch of times, so it was dethroned from number one in the bo- uh, box office a bunch of times by a bunch of different movies, but this was one of them. And uh, lastly, this is apparently one of the most violent films in the series with fourteen total deaths. I guess it felt that way. Yeah. That's that checks out. Yeah. So anyway, Josh, um, this brings us to the end of our little program here. What are your final feelings about uh, Friday the 13th Part 3? I'm really disappointed that 
of the franchise in general. I thought it would be more creative. I thought it would be scarier. I thought it would be a lot better than it was. So no more of these for you then? I would like to continue watching the movies. Mm. Because I do think there's an important... uh, What I'm trying to crack now is... I mean, obviously it was successful at the box office. Well, to varying degrees. But that makes me want to pursue, like, what happened next. And I... It's like Law and Order, Josh. People like the formula. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing about it is like, I th- I've i always enjoyed uh, Leprechaun, Nightmare on Elm Street. They, but they sort of, they've got visually interesting stuff and they're like very creative. This is like, I think when I said that thing about Trump earlier, I was trying to say like, this is a, un- it's not creative. Some creative kills in this. They're just reductive of the first thing. But it was so popular. It was so popular. Yeah. So I'm interested to keep watching. And I'm glad we did this tonight. Um, I would say this is a... I would say the third movie is a better late. Okay. I'm still not sold on the franchise. But I'm not going to say the franchise is a never. And I'm not going to say the franchise is a better late. But the third movie... Friday the 13th part three, not Jason three is a better late. Right on. And for myself, it'd been a while since I'd seen this one. um, And I really enjoyed catching it again after being a little disappointed in the first two, seeing them for the first time. I liked catching this one and finally getting back to weirdly enough, the basics of the series and seeing it truly becoming and being the series that, I was used to enjoying and had always loved. So, yeah, uh, really, really liked this one, speaking just for myself. So, I guess that's it for this week. Josh, it was great having you one last time for this Jason Rodeo. It was great being here after dark. After dark. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us at betterlate underscore pod, and we will catch you next time. Ch-ch-ch-ch. Ah, 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 ah. Chabop, chabop. <laughs> <laughs>